Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All too often, true crime cases are riddled with stories of children who grew up in unfortunate circumstances and situations. Today is no different, however. In this case, the circumstances were specifically injected into the child's life in a corrupt means of puppetry by law enforcement for their own bidding. As a result, young Richard Wurchie Jr. would lead a convoluted life of crime and become the infamous drug dealer known as White Boy Rick after the authorities he helped turn their back on him. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. going i have a very important question for you 42 only a certain amount of people and certain type of people will get that answer but go ahead i know i'm allowed to eat pieces off my gingerbread no no but can i eat pieces off of your gingerbread no, house no that's Why? mine okay so we can only eat from our own well unless the other person 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 sanctions the specific request of a piece because i'm eyeing up some pieces on yours. You're not going for the shingles, are you? I am. No, fuck you. <laughs> so we made gingerbread houses the other day for the first time in, oh my gosh. Over it's 10 not, years. Probably. Eating. Yeah. And um, tonight I took my first two bites and now it's just going to be a downhill spiral <laughs> for me. The only thing is at what point do you run out of stuff that is not stale that you're eating? You know? Like yeah. When does the... Are you desperate enough that you're eating stale pieces? <laughs> well, because some of the pieces we put on there were already stale. That's so, true. Like the Cheerios. But so. some of the things like the jelly beans, they, they ain't going stale anytime mm-hmm. soon, you know? Well, I'm kind of next year when we do these again, I'm going to rethink what I put on there as like what will last the longest for me to munch on. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we we had a little bit of a competition with our gingerbread house. Oh. We set a time limit, time limit, specifically Nicole noted the time, 25 minutes. I we, thought that was oodles of time. We had to construct our house and decorate it in 25 minutes. And also plan because we had no plan when we started. Yeah, it was just go. It was a shit show. <laughs> it was fun though. It was super fun, but I did not quite realize how fast 25 minutes would go. Yeah, when building a gingerbread house, it turns out 25 minutes is not a whole lot of time. Yeah. So, 
next year we're going to do a little bit different, I think. But we'll do a competition again because mm-hmm. that was fun. It was really fun. I liked it. Yeah. Um, actually, the other day we did something else that was was pretty fun that we haven't done for a while. We went to a hockey game, mm-hmm. a live hockey game here in the 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 WHL. We watched the Cougars, the Prince George Cougars play the Victoria Royals. Cougars. <laughs> Wow, that was lame. Um, anyways, they, it was uh, the teddy bear toss. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone out there has been to a teddy bear toss before. It was re- it was really fun, actually. But uh, everyone in the audience brings a teddy bear or a stuffed mm-hmm. animal of some sort. And when the home team scores their first goal, everyone whips the teddy bears out in the ice. And the game is basically stalled for 20 minutes as they clean it up and then they donate them all to charity. Yeah, but that's even fun to watch. And oh, it is. Yeah, so the Cougars didn't score until the third period. So we ought to just snuggle our... Teddy bears in the stand while we were waiting. Yep. And the Cougars won. Won nothing. Yeah, it was awesome. It was. We've actually been watching quite a bit of hockey lately. We've been getting back into it uh, following the Canucks Mm -hmm. because we're British Columbians. So got to support the home team. Look at us go. Yeah. And they're actually doing pretty good. And I should mention, too, though, back to this teddy bear toss, we had to go and buy a third teddy bear. <laughs> Why did. was that? Because Ripley, our <laughs> one husky, um, saw the teddy bear and she has mad OCD at times. And Brutal not, OCD. She would not give up the idea of getting this teddy bear. So he finally caved and gave it to her and went and repurchased another one. Yeah. To be so fair, that- she's loving it. So. Oh, yeah. The, well, there's stuffing just all over our house on a daily basis now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, we do have a big old thank you to throw out there to everyone who showed us their Spotify rap this year. We had an incredible amount of you showing that we were in your top 10%, 5%, top five, and how much you listen, how many minutes. And it's incredible the mm-hmm. support we had from you guys. Thank you so much for sharing that. Unfortunately, we had so many people send the wrap wrapped um, results to us that we couldn't post all you guys in our stories. Um, or even unfortunately respond to all you guys, but we do see the messages. Thank you so much. It blew our mind, the support that we had. I actually love that time of year. It's so fun just to see, I don't know, where we kind of rank on some people's and like who they also have on their list and then like how many minutes and stuff. Yeah. I I've seen some social media posts on people talking like, I don't want to see your page or your, your, your Spotify wrapped and like stop sharing it. And it's like, it's not for you. I think it's awesome. Why? I don't know. I love seeing it. First of all, I, I feel like it's awesome to be like, yeah, like look at my artists. Like I'm supporting these artists, whether it's music or podcast mm-hmm. or books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's the artist seeing that recognition. It's between the the artist and the listener. That's who it's for, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, man, we felt so much love with your guys' um, wrapped stuff you sent us. So yeah, it's we want to see It's it. almost like rejuvenating, really. It really is. Yeah. So thank you. That I just, I don't know. I get excited for Spotify wrapped every year. So do I. <laughs> it's fantastic. Sorry, we're, we're chatting a lot on this episode here at the beginning. We're going to uh, wrap this up here and get to the episode. But before we do, we also have to thank our patrons. We have some Patreon members um, who are just awesome in general. And we had someone sign up this week over on Patreon. We sure did. So, and thankfully... Dallas sent us how to pronounce their name. Because I, when I saw it, I was like, good luck with this one. Yeah, so <laughs> Dallas's last name, I'm going to try and do my best, though they kind of broke it down for me. It's Dallas Schwetfiger. Ooh, okay. I think, I think is how I say it. Or awesome. is it Schwet? Schwet. I think I'm going to go with Schwet. Schwetfiger. Okay. Wow. Thank you, Dallas. Yeah. So Dallas is our lone patron who signed up this week over on Patreon. You can join everyone else over there. I think we're well over 
uh, we got a couple hundred people over there anyways who get over the ex- 300 yeah we get exclusive content we got some posts we got the exclusive episode at the end of the month that gets posted all the time so head over there for all that good awesomeness but we are officially like five six minutes into this intro so So without further ado let's go let's get into this episode (laughs) which is going to be a part one a part one part one of the story known as white boy Rick. Hmm. You ever heard of White Boy Rick before? No, and I'm very intrigued by your intro that you had too. It doesn't sound like it's very good. It's an interesting one. It's and I I know interesting is something I I've said for a lot of cases, but that word can describe many different types of cases mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, this is intriguing. It's a murder. It's intriguing. This is a mystery. It's intriguing. This one is interesting for the very specific fact on why not. Hmm. I wonder how, like things like that, the mystery behind it, not like, I wonder what was going on in that person's head. Mm -hmm. I wonder what could have driven him to that. There is no mystery to this. It's just why the fuck did that play out like that? Oh my goodness. It's like watching (sighs) the best way to put it. You know what? It's like when you can't turn away from a plumber doing his job. (laughs) You just see three inches of butt crack sticking out there and you're like, why doesn't he pull up his pants? I would. Why doesn't he just buy pants that fit? Why isn't he wearing a belt? I would very much so be able to look away from that. But you would lie. But you'd be like, oh, and then you'd look back again. You're still wondering, (laughs) why am I looking back? It's very much so like that because there's so many things that just like, what? Why would they do that? And that's what makes this a very interesting case today. Okay. Hmm. So white boy, Rick is obviously a pseudonym. Um, his name is Richard Worshi Jr. Um, he was a young boy who was born on July 18th of 1969. And he grew up living a completely relatively normal suburban life as a kid. He grew up with his sister, Dawn, his mother, Darlene and father, uh, Richard senior. So Richard was junior. And then his father was Richard senior. Okay. Or, Rick. Okay. Right. So his father was clearly who he was named after. And more of his family were also around quite often. His grandparents actually lived right across the street from them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I'm sure there was going to be a lot of like family visits on the mm-hmm. regular sort of thing going down. I mean, Rick Jr. was living a, a life full of love and support at the time. Now, there were some shadows in the perfect world, though. Things from the outside that we see that are, you know, perfect are not generally always what they perceive to be. So on the inside, there was much more going on. Rick's parents would unfortunately be getting a divorce, something that many people can attest to. That is not the greatest thing that happens within a family, but it's becoming more and more common nowadays. And a lot of people do have to deal with it. And little five-year-old Rick had to deal with his parents splitting up. Now in the divorce, Rick's mother wanted to take her children with her, but both Rick and his sister wanted to stay at home with their dad. So she respected her kids' wishes and said, okay, you can stay with your dad. And she left the relationship with her kids living with their father. Okay. So the neighborhood the house was in was on the east side of Detroit, about seven miles or 11 kilometers from the city center. Now, initially, the area was a nice working class area. I mean, they grew up in a nice suburban neighborhood, nice, regular, loving family. 
But they lived there in the 70s, 80s, and it was kind of the area when it was gaining a wide reputation, uh, sorry, excuse me, gaining widespread reputation for crime in the area of Detroit. You know, crime, violence, and more specifically, drugs. Okay. The influx of cocaine was on the rise, and it would cause a nice suburban neighborhood that they lived in to quickly fall and deteriorate in a place now surrounded with, quote unquote, crack houses. Really? Hey? Yes. Apparently, there were crack houses now popping up just across the street or down the street from their once lovely neighborhood. Oh, geez. Yeah. The friendly family home was not so friendly Yeah, I can almost just like picture the neighborhood almost kind of like deteriorating in my mind. Yeah, kind of like a time lapse sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. it's unfortunate, but that is kind of the case that was uh, afflicting the, this Detroit neighborhood and so many other neighborhoods as well, unfortunately. So despite all of that, though, Rick was just like any other kid. He played Little League Baseball. He was a pitcher, actually. Uh, And in the eighth grade, he would actually move away from his dad's and go move in with his mom in the suburbs of Macomb County. Um, There, you know, he got good grades. He was a popular kid. He did everything to, you know, make a mother proud sort of situation. And after that year, though, Rick did decide that, you know what, I I think I'm going to go move back in with dad. So that's what he did. And it is unfortunate that Rick's dad, Rick Sr., was into some shady practices. Oh, no. Okay, because I was like, when, how is this going to turn south here? Well, it's not per se Rick's Sr.'s fault by any means. Let's put it that way. But I'll I'll, I'll fill you in here. Now, Rick Sr., he was a very bright individual to start with. He was an entrepreneur, you know, a bit of a hustler. He reportedly held, according to his daughter, uh, more patents in the state of Michigan than anyone else had at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what kind of stuff he had patented or how many patents, but I mean, that's a pretty extravagant claim in itself. Well, yeah, that's kind of (laughs) cool. Even to say like, even if she's over exaggerating, it's like, oh, he held more than anybody. Clearly he held a lot, Mm -hmm. which I've never held a patent. I don't think I've ever even (laughs) met anyone that has. Right. So So that in itself (laughs) is is a pretty cool feat, especially if he's had multiple. Totally. Now, unfortunately, he did have his darker practices as an illegal gun dealer. Okay. Yeah. So he would deal illegal guns on the black market and help individuals even get illicit permits. Um, One individual who he did deal with actually even went on um, to say later that he could get you anything. Like he could even get you grenades. My goodness. Yeah. How? (laughs) I have no clue, but apparently that was the case. He worked with individuals and gangs alike. He had built up a reputation as a go-to guy in certain circles. I mean, if you're able to get someone a grenade, I have a feeling you're probably going to build up a certain reputation. Mm -hmm. But Rick Sr., like I said, was smart. He figured out a way to double dip. Oh. So he's selling these guns to these individuals on the street, right? He's selling these firearms to whoever was looking to for a firearm and right. collect the payment. And then once he had the payment and he had sold the firearm, he would then turn around and divulge the names of the individuals who he had sold the guns to directly to the authorities and receive a payout for them as well for being an informant. Really? Yes. How the hell is that happening and lasting? Because you think that someone would find that out, you know? 
Yes. So I think you'd have to be very careful about it. Very and so would the authorities, because the authorities also don't want to lose an informant, right? Well, yeah. And I imagine that the people that you're dealing with are not necessarily, I don't know, how would you put it? You know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of. They're probably shady people who okay, would like, yeah. I was if like, they how see you rat. How do yeah. I put this without, you know, insulting yeah. everybody kind of thing. I see. I got you. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Uh, but no, like uh, Rick Sr., he was playing both sides and he did it well. Now, of course, the authorities know he's playing both sides. But I mean, to get the information from him, hey, that's the price that they're paying, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of cash and he's doing his thing. Okay, sure. We're getting the names. We're getting the inside information. That's the important thing to them. As a result, with Rick Sr. and his connections, Rick Jr. would also eventually become an informant and involved with the authorities. By the age of just 14 years old, Rick Jr. would be recruited by the FBI as an informant, which is, it is important to note that the FBI records actually do, in fact, confirm their relationship with him being an informant. This is a documented thing, not just a claim. At 14 years old. Correct. That doesn't even seem like that should be legal. Yeah, it's not okay. really per se. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about legality issues when you're talking about being an informant with the FBI and what they can do and strings they can pull, but it's certainly not a practice that I think many would uh, say is good practice well yeah that's so that seems so young you're literally involving a child yeah so um anyways rick's dad being the hustler that he is he kind of helped push it as means to earn some extra income as well now don't get me wrong he didn't take all rick's jr's money um i'm certain they were both getting paid for rick mm -hmm. jr now being involved is as an informant as well because rick jr certainly was getting a paycheck from it and the two would work like Side by side for a while with senior divulging names and junior becoming um, to begin to like actually infiltrate the local gangs. Like physically, he's on the ground, getting in there, talking with people, making relationships. And Rick, who Rick Jr. Jr. at 14 what years old. What the hell? Correct. That was my or my reaction too. So he would actually be there in the gangs, learning, talking, making his way into like the inner circles. And then he would go back, talk to both his dad and the FBI and divulge information, names, locations, even drug activity, such as arrivals of shipments or dates and times of exchanges. You name it. Wow. I'm really not liking this. That just seems like they're putting him in such a dangerous situation when he's He's still a kid. Like how yeah. is, how is he going to, if shit goes south, get out of a situation potentially? Like he may not know how to. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. That's the exact problem with this. It's, you don't have someone who's maybe a, a trained authority figure who's gone through boot camps and like, this is their job and they have got like their wired up bulletproof vests. You know, they've got a, a gun on their hip and stuff. They literally just have a kid and they're like, go in the gang. Oh, I don't know. This really isn't sitting well with me yeah me either trust yikes. me yikes i'm also a little bit i'm not judging his dad but i'm like a little bit surprised that he is okay with that to allow it to happen yeah, yeah. no i agree i agree hmm. now of course to do all this rick jr literally did have to infiltrate his way in he, he can't just walk up in a mm -hmm. gang and be like sup guys yeah uh, so the gang uh, particularly that they were targeting and they were wanting Rick uh, Jr. to go after and learn about was the Curry gang. Um, so it was run by uh, the Curry brothers. Okay. 
And so he needed to gain their trust and show them that he wanted to get into selling narcotics and do and all this sort of stuff. Right. And it only actually took Rick a couple months before he was able to get to the top of the gang and basically be the protege in the business and the industry, like next to the gang leader sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, hey, that's a bit surprising, but I guess maybe he's like kind of just smart and kind of an entrepreneur like his dad potentially but like authorities didn't even think that this would be possible especially even this quick they're like wait what you're sitting here next to like the curry brothers at the head of this now you got all their information you're their little like protege son little brother sort of situation how did you pull that off but then the curry brothers they may like that too because it's like this young boy that they can mold to be turn into what they really want yes so that young age could have played into their hand totally now it was estimated that over the short course of uh rick jr's informant career he would collect up over thirty-five thousand dollars in payment for his inside activities and information with the authorities so the authorities actually paid him thirty-five thousand dollars in total approximately to do this sort of stuff mm. And mind you, this is like in yeah back in the day sort of thing, 40 that, years ago. At first, I'm like, well, that's not really a lot. But then I guess back then that's worth a lot more. Yeah, you could probably buy a house for that back then. Yeah. So um, and not to mention any money he had brought in from potentially drug sales or gang affiliations or, mm. you know, being the protege here, go off and have a good weekend. Here's a thousand bucks or something from, right. you know, a, a drug lord sort of situation. Now, Rick no longer lived the life of a regular teenager, clearly. If you haven't picked that up by now, he no longer played baseball, nor did he seek out certain high school cliques to want to be a part of. Instead, he was running drugs. He was learning the business. He was learning gang operations, all at the request of the FBI. I want to make that very clear. He is in the gangs. He is learning all this. He is doing this at the request of the authorities. Oh, and something that you said too just like hit me so hard where he's no longer playing baseball and and oh that's kind of hard to digest there. Like yeah. his child is just like it's just gone. Gone. It is. At this point he is no longer a kid. No. Now the arrests were pouring in left, right and center. There were even up to 13 arrests made in a single day in 1985 solely due to Rick's intel he had given to the authorities. Hmm. In a single day. Wow, okay. I don't yeah. know. I mean, but they're also they would probably never ever suspect him. Either. No. You you would think not, but I mean, who's to say, right? <sighs> so Rick was, of course, a priceless resource for the FBI. Uh-huh. I mean, he had I believe around the time he was about 16, which is a little bit premature for where we're at now. I think he's only about 15 right now, Um, but I didn't write this piece in here. So about when he's 16, I think he had 20, um, uh, what's the word? Um, When they actually go through court and they're. Oh, um, convicted. Convictions. He had 20 convictions within like a year of working with the FBI. That is a lot. Convictions. Whoa, they need to like give him a race. No kidding. Big time. Well, like I said, he was priceless though. So clearly they know that. Um, and it, as it turns out, other authority figures uh, were having their eye on him as well. He was priceless not only to the FBI, but to other authority figures. The local police, for example, as it turns out, also began using Rick to aid them. Um, he was taking part in nighttime drives in unmarked police cars. 
Um, at times, even driving around, identifying people, he would be out until about 3 a.m. when he's got school at 7 a.m. Oh, man, this is I, I <laughs> this is bothering me a little yeah, bit listening like, to this right now. He's about 15 years old. And he was being what pulled every the? which direction by the authorities. It didn't seem like they cared for his well-being or education for that matter at all. Yeah. All they wanted was to use Rick as this tool. They're like, you you got school in the morning. You got math. You're, you're not doing good at math. Yeah, well, we want to get a, like a, a drug dealer. So suck it up. Let's go do this. And was he, I mean, maybe this is too early to be asking this, but was he doing this on his own free will? I mean, yeah, of course it was his own free will. I mean, he's getting paid, you know, he, he, it's good money. It's especially for this time and a kid and I can't imagine a kid being in a situation where the police are like, you, you're helping us. Like what, what's a kid going to do? Yeah. No. Huh. You're going to say no to the FBI. Yeah. You're going to say no to the, the police when they knock on your door at midnight and say, let's go for a drive. Well, that's why I almost wonder if, if it, if he's doing it completely on his own free will or, or if he's kind of being like roped into it in a sense where he feels like he can't be saying no oh i'm sure there were certain points when that was the case i mean think of it this way too um if he says no maybe he could be thinking well maybe they'll just arrest my dad for selling guns mm. maybe he's helping police for more than that reason though that's something that came from my head i've never heard that from any research or documentaries that i watched but that could be a possibility that that was at play yeah so eventually things began adding up a little bit too much for the gang that uh, Rick had infiltrated in. Too many people were getting arrested. Too many operations were busted. Too many products was getting seized. They knew someone within their circle was a mole. Someone was a rat. Someone was talking to police. But who? Meetings began to be, occur within the, the gang, and they discussed the possibility of who it could be. And eventually they landed on that it must be Rick Jr. Oh, shit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So while Rick was at one of these houses, um, one of these drug houses one day, uh, he went up to the top of this, went up the stairs after being called. And as soon as he reached the top, someone rounded the corner and boom, shot him in the stomach point blank with a 357 Magnum. The bullet entered his stomach, tore his large intestine in half, and exited out his back. Oh, my goodness. Rick, as a result, rolled down the stairs and began begging them to call 911, which, of course, they didn't. Uh-huh. Now, lucky for him, one of the girlfriends that was there did, in fact, actually call an ambulance. And they arrived just as Rick was getting stuffed into the back seat of a car. Whether they intended to take him to the hospital for assistance or to dump him somewhere is unknown. But I guess we could assume. I think so. The ambulance was thankfully able to get him to the medical, get him to medical attention and get him the life-saving help that he needed. 
But this wasn't the end of his working for the FBI or the authorities. Oh, it should be, though. I mean, like, he's in some serious danger because if he lives that through this, like, they're they're not just going to let him go. No, you don't think? I don't think that's how it works. Hmm. I really don't. So what do you think is going to happen if he lives through this? I'm curious where your mind's at. Oh. Fun fact, he does live through this. Okay, well, I mean, I guess my thought is that he kind of needs to go through some sort of protective services. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, okay. And or else he's going to basically, they're they're not going to stop. They're like, because that's a big deal what he's done to the, yes. the gang, like yes. a huge deal. Yes. And I mean, mm-hmm. I can only imagine they would want him dead. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, so they know he's an informant. They shot him. He's now recovering in the hospital. The authorities should come seek him and put him in protective services. End end of story. Well, yeah, I can't see it ending any other way in his favor whatsoever. Not even that ending in protective services in his, his favor, though. Well, while Rick was recovering in the hospital, the members of the authorities that Rick had been working directly with, um, the FBI, made their way to the hospital as well. And it was in that very hospital that they realized the situation they were actually in. If it got out that they were taking advantage of a kid, because that's what he is, a kid, starting at the age of 14 to infiltrate a dangerous and notorious drug gang for information, and they got him shot and almost killed, they would be in some serious hot water. Are they just thinking about this right the fuck now? I mean, pretty much, yeah. Okay. And aren't people like on the FBI supposed to be pretty like intelligent? I thought. I'm sure some are. I'm sure some of these guys were too. Maybe they just weren't thinking. I don't know. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, the thought process here gets even more fucked up because this is when they realized that they were going to double down. Okay. What does that mean? So, I mean, their thought process does make sense. I'll grant them this. doesn't mean it's okay. But if Rick did not come back and the guy who shot him got arrested, then the gang would know for sure that, of course, Rick was the rat, right? Mm-hmm. If Rick, however did come back and he quote lied to the authorities this is remember the fbi is coming up with this saying that it was an accident and acted like nothing ever happened then it should be clear that he's not the rat because if he was then whoever shot him would be arrested correct and the fbi is came up with this correct not only that it's also the best way for the fbi and the authorities to sweep the incident under the rug thus saving their own ass from almost getting a now 15 year old kid killed oh my gosh so they're just basically not going to protect him and just put him back in danger yes so they're saying this is the best way to not only protect our ass but it's the best way for you to not be labeled as the rat but you're still not protected Oh, man. Yeah. This is terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. I mean, and it's surprising. It's surprising, but then I guess in a way it's also not. In which way is it not? I don't know, because lots of times you you hear about like authorities being a bit dirty or whatever, right? And corrupt, yeah. Yeah, but. There's there's good ones out there too. Oh. Don't get us wrong. Oh, yeah. No, but I mean like, like. 0.01% or probably even less, right? Yeah. But 
Um, well, they say like one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? So that's exactly yeah. the case. But for some reason, I guess I just like had higher expectations too, especially in like the FBI. I don't know. No, I don't know. That, I'm blown that's away right now. a fair deduction. I can't blame you on that. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, that's exactly what they did. They sent Rick right back in there. Holy shit. Yeah. They sent him right back in with the gangs. Rick acted like nothing ever happened. Um, like, yeah, it was an action, whatever. I don't care. I'm not the rat, like whatever. Um, and it kind of cleared his name. They were like, oh, this kid must not have been the rat. Oh gosh. Okay. Well then can he just leave at that point? Well, no, because they still want him working in there. They still want some information. The FBI or the gang? The FBI. Good God. So, I mean, this, like I said, it did clear his name, but not indefinitely. Some still believe that Rick was behind it all. And eventually a hitman by the name of Gil Hill was hired to kill Rick. Worst of all, now this is a few months later, and by this time the authorities had now cut ties with Rick. He was no longer one of their informants and they didn't do so much as debriefing him on exiting their relationship either. The authorities knew what was going on and it was a high risk and that the, it was only a matter of time until word got out or until Rick got hurt again or shot or worse killed. So they made the decision to just cut ties before they could be held accountable whatsoever for what happened to him. What the actual fuck? Yeah. Rick was now left at 16 years old, fully engulfed in the gang world at the request of the FBI and the police. And they didn't do anything to ensure that he would get out of this lifestyle or offer him any sort of resources to get out of his current situation. They simply left him high and dry and didn't even say goodbye. They just stopped calling him. Oh, I am shocked. This doesn't even seem like this is true. This right, is like, very true. <laughs> I cannot comprehend that this legitimately happened. See what I mean? It, this is such an interesting case because it's like, how could this happen? Yeah. How is this still happening? Why is this still going on? Just like looking at the fucking crack of a plumber's ass. It's like, why <laughs> oh. is he not wearing a belt? Why didn't he pull his pants up? Like, why, 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 why? There's so many fucking whys. Oh gosh. Do we have to keep talking about plumber's asses? I'm committed now. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, I digress. Rick had nothing else to do but to continue the, in the gang world. He was a kid when he was injected into it. He's a kid now. He knew nothing else. And to quote him directly, I became addicted to the lifestyle. I became addicted to the money. I became addicted to the women. I became addicted to that life. And that's Gosh. exactly the case. That is just heartbreaking. It really is. When he should be at that, like addicted to playing baseball or whatever, right? Yeah. Riding like, bikes on Hanging weekends. out with his friends. Yeah. Discovering going fishing at the river or or the, the girl who sits just left of him in math class. Like maybe rebuilding a new car. He's 16. He's at that age. Like those yeah. sort of things, you know? But instead- He's learning how to be a drug runner, a drug lord, and just, it's fucked. I mean, they, I don't know how this story ends or whatever, but they took his life away they, from him. They did. 100% did. Yeah. They changed the, the trajectory, I can't even Trajectory. Yeah. Of it right at 14. 
all they did. Which is so young. Yeah. And I mean, Rick is, he's now on his own. He doesn't even have the authorities there, even though they're the ones who put him in this situation. And Rick would face the next attempt to take his life all by himself. He was in a car with a friend when a van pulled up next to him at a stoplight. The door slowly began to start opening next to the vehicle. And when it opened, there was the hitman, Gil Hill. And he began firing and unloading a Mac 10, but after only a couple bullets, the gun jammed and Rick and his friend sped through that red light and got away with their lives. Whoa. The hitman, I was watching an interview with him. He's in jail now. And he's saying they're alive because the gun jammed. Yeah. They had like a guardian angel of sorts. Yes, they did. Because that probably shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that this man has, if he's a hitman, he, this wasn't his first rodeo. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. Um, so the guy who hired him to shoot him for the hit and everything, um, Gil told him, he's like, when I was getting hot or in the interview, sorry, I'm stumbling is here in the interview. He was talking about how the guy hired him and he said, make sure that this doesn't get back to anyone. And this hitman said, you know, none of the hits I've done have ever gotten back to anyone. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So that in itself is like, okay. Yeah. How many, what's your number? He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And with this situation with Rick getting shot at, at this point, I mean, he really didn't bat an eye at this, at this point in time. No one in their circles really did. Honestly, their life was always on the line. They became so desensitized to it. Rick's already been shot and survived. He's a kid. He's damn near becoming a drug lord. Well, not a drug lord, but he's in these big drug circles. He's probably like super high on adrenaline and power and life. He's probably thinking he's invincible like mm -hmm. most kids do at the time. Yeah. Let alone being in his situation. It just kept going. Life went on. And as such, Rick continued to do his thing. He was dealing drugs, not only dealing, but importing and operating relatively large scale operations of multi kilos of cocaine. He was no kingpin or a drug lord, as I was saying, but he was certainly making some ripples in like the local ocean of the drug world. The media was now beginning to pick up on Rick and who he was, his name. And that is when they dubbed him and gave him the nickname White Boy Rick, primarily for being the white boy within the groups of black individuals. Oh, okay. I see. <clears throat> but the stories that were being run about Rick were painting him as a murderer, a drug lord, something and someone way more powerful than, than he actually was. I mean, yes, his name and reputation certainly was getting blown in bigger proportions, but he was a drug dealer. Don't get me wrong on that. He was still in gangs. He was involved in these things, but they were making him seem so much more and so much more powerful or which dangerous I, I mean, than he was. I feel like the media just does. Which they do. You're, yeah. you're not wrong there. And this all leads us to the date of May 23rd, 1987. Rick was working with an incoming shipment of cocaine from a Colombian wholesale dealer. Rick was in charge of 10 kilos. He dropped off 10 kilos of cocaine to its location and got the cash for it. Now, I do want to stipulate this. Some sources will say it's actually 18 kilos 
of okay. cocaine. And that is because of what's coming up here shortly. But that is technically up for debate. Confirmed 10, potentially 18. So as he had the cash, he no longer had the 10 kilos of cocaine as it was dropped off. He was driving down the road, heading back to drop the cash off to where he needed to go because he's just kind of like the, the middleman. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll get his payment, but the cash is certainly not his. So as he was driving down the road with the cash, he was stopped. He was stopped by a cop, apparently for running a stop sign. And he was stopped right outside his, his dad's house. In that stop, Rick was uh, told that he was under arrest for possession of drugs. But the thing is, he had already sold the drugs. He didn't have any on him, just the cash. Mm-hmm. So Rick said, he's like, hey, I got nothing on me. Like, search my freaking car if you want. I have no drugs. But when the police held up the bag of cash, that's when things got a little went a little bit south. Now, this part is a little bit foggy to me. I did my best research that I could, and there is one thing I'm unsure on. It's unclear to me um, if it was Rick Sr. or Rick Jr. So what I do know is uh, Rick Sr., because he was right outside his dad's house, mm-hmm. so came running out and grabbed the bag of money out of the officer's hand, and a tussle ensued. Now, I'm not saying like a fight. It was just like a struggle for the bag of money sort of situation. And the part I'm not sure is if it was Rick Sr. or Rick Jr. who, with the bag in hand, ran. Okay. But like, really, it doesn't seem they're doing anything wrong just having a bag of money. Correct. But I mean, I guess the the police are assuming why they have that money. Yes. Um, But regardless, one of them ran with the bag of money. Uh, and so it would take about 25 minutes later that they would be located hiding in the neighborhood with the money and a search in the area commenced as well to try and find drugs that may have been stashed as a result of the running off with the cash Okay. because, Hey, he ran off with the money. He probably ran off with the drugs too. <laughs> right? No. So after three hours, they received a quote, anonymous tip. And found eight kilos of cocaine stashed one block away under someone's porch. And Rick Jr. was accused of possessing it and attempting to hide it. What the fuck? Rick, to this day, claims he was set up. By who exactly? The authorities. Whoa! My gosh! And that's where we're going to end today's episode. You know what? I'm pissed right now because my anxiety for the last 10 minutes is in through the roof. Because I'm like, (laughs) when he said this is a part one, but it almost, oh man. Like it almost seemed like it was, you were kind of like going to close it off, but you didn't. You didn't at all. I I just did. Yeah, but not in a way that I can like rest well. (laughs) Well, that's the point. I want you to listen to part two. And also, this is legitimately what happened. So the thing is, apparently, I'm I'm assuming it was Rick Jr. who ran off with the cash, not Rick Sr. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, he ran off with the cash and eight kilograms of cocaine. I'm not going to lie, but I have absolutely no idea what that would look like in my mind. A kilogram is like, what, two and a half pounds or something like that, I think, or three and a half. Hold on, I'm going to Google it. Um, how many pounds in a kilogram? 2.2 pounds. So he's running off with what's eight times 2.2. 
But if we go eight times like two, 16. 16. So you're 17-ish pounds. pounds of, of shit on him. Yeah. And the cop couldn't catch him and didn't see him running with it. Yeah, that doesn't, I don't, I, I don't buy that. And they got an, a quote, anonymous tip. Huh. Now, not. That it was under someone's porch. I feel like whoever yes. found that would have just been like, what? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, I'm going to personally go on the record and say, I am very suspicious, clearly, of this quote, anonymous tip and eight kilograms of cocaine. To me, seems planted. However. We do know Rick is a drug dealer, so that mm -hmm. do, it doesn't really change things. It just gave him means to arrest him. But, I mean, they they created Rick. They yeah. They literally created white boy Rick. And now it sounds like they're turning on him. They are. My gosh. This is just beyond messed up. It's a wild ride, this case. Trust me, because we aren't even into the accusations, the trial, the results, all that sort of stuff yet. I can't even fathom what else is going to go on. It's the best words I can describe it. It's interesting. It's yeah. really fucking interesting. Yeah. I mean, you're really not wrong with that description. Hmm. Okay. So, wow. I literally cannot wait for part two. Um, there is a Hollywood movie that was actually out. Uh, over this, which I have not watched the Hollywood production yet. Um, I have watched documentaries on this, this case, but, uh, the Hollywood movie, um, I believe it stars Matthew McConaughey actually called white boy Rick. Really? Yeah. I want to watch that shit. We should. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I think we're going to watch it. <laughs> um, anyways, thank you for being here. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of white boy Rick. Um, if you want to check out Patreon, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff, it's down below. We have been doing a bit of vlogging lately, so you can go ahead and check it out on our YouTube. And we are going to be having, of course, an exclusive episode at the end of the month for all of our patrons. So if you want to be a part of that, go ahead and subscribe over on Patreon. If you want to just be here because, hey, you're awesome. You're supporting us still like this, and you're still listening right now as I'm <laughs> rambling. Thank you. You're amazing. You're wicked. Well done. Thank We're you. We're going to be on the edge of our seats for a whole week. Probably. This was a fun case to research. Thankfully, like, hey, there's there's no, like, major death or anything in this. I, well, there is some death if you watch some documentaries surrounding the gangs and stuff like that. But with, with Rick specifically, I mean, he doesn't die. He's been shot and everything. He survives. That's fantastic. And that's oh, the thing, right? Okay. What? Well, that's a good hint. No, he was already shot. I told you. Well, no, but I'm still thinking shit could go down with him, potentially, that he gets, like, super hurt or killed No, or he, he he's he's alive today. Okay. Yeah, so Whoa. that's fantastic. Okay. Huh. Now I'm like, frick, I don't, I at first was like, okay, that's helpful. I can sleep now, but now I don't actually know if it is, because I still want to know what the hell is happening. Oh, no, I, I can strongly, easily tell you he is alive today and still with confidence tell you, you're going to fucking be like, what the fuck with the rest of part two? Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, until then. Until then, stay wicked.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.